Hola, soy Manuel Almunia, estás escuchando desde el Rockery en... Hello, welcome to another podcast from the Rookery Ends, the start of what we call more frequent but slightly shorter from the Rookery Ends. Uh, as always, my name is John, with me is uh, Jason. Hello there. Uh, we're on the way to Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, are you happy Hornet, Jason? I'm a very happy Hornet, I always am. Excellent. Uh, and always with me is Mike. Good evening. Uh, Mike, are you a happy Hornet? Um, I'm nervous again. Well, that's not made much change. Uh, we're going to start doing these podcasts. We're hopefully going to do like seven before the end of the season. We'll do one this week at the Sheffield Wednesday Blackpool game uh, and then we'll do one a week after the Burnley game. We really want to sort of get a good idea of how Watford fans are feeling in the run-up to the end of the season. We're joined by another Watford fan, David Cameron-Walker uh, from the We're Going Up podcast. Uh, are you a happy Hornet? I am, although I'm like Mike, I'm a slightly apprehensive Hornet as well. Whenever we do well, I, I tend to, you know, you get more nervous, expectation goes a little bit. I sometimes enjoy those seasons where we just kind of do nothing a little bit more <laughs> but hopefully come the end of the season I'll be a very happy Hornet okay we're on the way to the pub uh, before the Sheffield Wednesday game uh, we're also joined by a Sheffield Wednesday fan no no don't boo uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's uh, David Guido from uh, Sky Sports now are you a happy owl oh do you know what just just about at the moment because we've been on a decent-ish run of form we, we played Forest in front of the Sky cameras on Saturday night and, and we were pretty awful for about 60 minutes of that game. So I don't know where all this Hornets apprehension comes from, honestly. <laughs> if you just simply string a few passes together, you'll, you'll beat us 5-0, it's fine. But no, I'm, generally, I think, having got up last year, having seen Sheffield United lose on sudden death penalties at Wembley in a playoff final as well, that was very satisfying. We just want to stay up. I will rip your hand off for fourth bottom right now. <laughs> OK. Well, we're on our way to the pub before we go to the, uh, the actual game. We'll have a bit of chat in the pub. Uh, and also come on the podcast, we will be chatting to Manuel Almunia, who was a, a jolly, nicely, good-smelling man, wasn't he, Jason? Oh, he smelled lovely, didn't he? Oh, it was <laughs> delightful. I really enjoyed a that. podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. In football, the big question is, does size count? David Guido from Sky Sports News, does size count? Oh, absolutely. It's got to. I think it's weird. I mean, being a Sheffield Wednesday supporter... You know, we've, we've been through uh, a lot like a lot of football clubs have. The likes of Leeds and, you know, Southampton and Norwich. They've obviously managed to recover and with big fan bases and all the rest of it. And Sheffield Wednesday are kind of one of those teams that are sort of midway through that process. But we've got a massive fan base. And I think that does massively help. You know, when we actually fill Hillsborough for a Steel City derby, it does make a big difference. Um, and now we feel that we can probably try and sustain that a little bit more now that our debts are cleared. So I think so, yeah. But with the Premier League being, you know, you, you get promoted, what will get promoted this year? 90 million plus. Who knows how much wealth it can bring it's in? Well, no, it gets bigger every time, apparently, doesn't it? It's like 90 million, 120 million, next time it'll be 200 million. Yeah. That's the, you know, the playoff finals. Do you, finals, the do you need a big game. fan base? Well, I mean, you know, look at, look at other clubs that don't have a big fan base or, you know, that they are competing with other sports in that town. I'd say Wigan or something like that. You know, it doesn't, you don't, and they've got obviously Manchester just down the road so you don't necessarily have to no uh, Stoke you know just kind of a, a fairly you know nondescript Midlands city you know it's not a Birmingham it's you know it's, it's not the other side of Nottingham so no you don't necessarily have to but I do think it helps okay. Jason 
I, I think Dave's made a very good point there. While those sides haven't got big fan bases, they are cities. So you've got Wigan's near Manchester, Stoke is a city, and you've got to wonder, does that attract the sort of player that they're looking for that keeps you in a premiership or establishes you as a premiership side? Is the fact that these sides are located in cities or near to big cities, is that a factor? Is that a key factor? And will that help Watford would, going I would, forward? I would say that you know Watford being you know not too far from London will definitely be a pull. You know, especially when foreign players come over, you know, to, to the UK, do they want to be stuck in a in a random place? I'm trying to think of somewhere. Like, yeah, like let's just say Stoke, for example. You know, it's it's a city, fine, but it's kind of you know somewhere in the in, in, in the central Midlands, and it's not admittedly the nicest place on earth. Whereas you know, Unless London. Unless you like fine bone china. Uh, you know, perhaps, or you like going to Walton Towers. But aside that, <laughs> aside that, you know, what other pool factors are there? I'm not sure there are many. And I think London has got such a massive pool, especially for foreign players. They want to live the lifestyle. So I do think that there might be a, a bit of a spin-off effect for, for what because you're just up the road, really. Well, I, think, I think though anyone outside of Watford would call Watford like a random town. Do you know what I mean? We're calling yeah. Stoke a bit random. We think, obviously, it's the centre of our universe and the centre of the footballing universe. <laughs> but I think it's a bit of a misnomer, this whole it does size matter thing. I think, you know, it's about players wanting to achieve something. And you need to, it's the job of the club to sell themselves as a forward-thinking club. Almost called them an organisation there, a bit NFL. But, <laughs> but they have to sell themselves to players. And you have to persuade players to come and that what you're going to do is right. And that's not just about money. It's not just about how big the stands are. It's not just about how big your catchment area is. It's about dreaming big and about and about sort of having a plan to, to be big. So when you've got the hang on, hang on, our guest is asking a question. He's a prof he's a professional at this. You see. <laughs> Here we go. So David. Okay, let me just ask. Take an example. Loic Remy could have gone to Newcastle. Decided not to. Went to QPR. Why? Was it just because of Harry Redknapp's charm? and his ability to kind of convince a player, put your arm around him and make him play for you? Or is it partly because QPR are a London club? Well, the, we know that when the Pozzos bought Watford, part of it was our location. A, near London, near airports, M1, you can get around the country whenever you like. That was a big part of it. And when we spoke to some of the players, you know, some of the loanees we've got were given the option to come to Watford and they did look at it and saying, they looked at the club, the town and where it was as part of their sort of yes or no to coming here. Now, the thing is, we know that the Udinese, uh, the Udinese owners and the Granada owners, Mike, were um, were interested in Watford for its location. But yeah, they are two successful. Uh, Udinese are a very successful football team. Granada a growing successful football team. They are in, they get they average. I think Udinese average 17,000. Granada 14, 15,000. We, do we need these? Do we need a massive crowd at Watford to be a success? Obviously, you need numbers coming through the gate too. For, for, the, for the balance sheet, you need to sell programmes, you need to sell pies, you need to sell shirts. In a £90 million pound cash Of course bonus? you do, yeah. The more money is coming through, the better. You know, And that, that £90 million pounds will go on wages. Wages will go up, bills will go up. We'll have to redo the media suite. Yeah, yeah. Redo the media suite, as if there's a media suite at Watford. Yeah, build up. Um, but yeah, every, every, it, it, it is important, because it, it's cash flow. However, I, one of the worst questions that people seem to be fixated on is how many are we taking to this yeah, ground? Yeah, yeah. How many did they bring to your ground? It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. Well, I, I did a bit of sums for you, for you Mike. I do did like you? the sums. Uh, average ticket price for a Premier League, average, yeah. is £30. Pounds. Okay. okay. The Premier League? Really? Yeah, apparently, average. Really? That's what I looked up. Okay. So it was in a newspaper article in a national newspaper. I can't remember which one. Say so it's £30. Pounds. 
So 10,000 extra people at your ground, that's another £300,000 per game. 19 home games, that's 5.7 million. Police costs? But 5.7 million, that's, that's quite a lot of money. That's, that's a decent signing, not an amazing signing, a decent signing and a really decent wage. Ten, every ten, imagine every 10,000 more people we get in the, in the ground... That's another amazing player. What for the guys? I've only got room for ten. <laughs> David Cameron Walker from the We're Going Up podcast. I think I think you're right about attendance and the size of the club and the fan base is important. It's not. Uh, it's not at all the, the most crucial factor in getting up and sustaining yourself in the Premier League because you've seen teams like Fulham and Wigan who have got up because they've got owners who are prepared to finance the club, bankroll the club over a number of years, ally that with the TV money from the Premier League and create a foundation. But long-term potential, you'll, you'll, you'll never go, you'll never become, I don't think, say, in this country at least, uh, a Champions League club regularly or a team that can really, really compete with the big boys unless you've got... 40,000, 50,000, 60,000 seated stadiums because once you have that with all the rest of it as well you, you have such a, a financial powerhouse that it can just keep building and building and building and building so I think you can get up into the Premier League with a crowd of 15, 20,000 you might be able to stay there for a few years but as you've seen with Stoke now there's going to be a level where you're going to get to and you can't necessarily push through that you know, without the other things like maybe a bigger crowd that would maybe attract the better players because again if you do get up like a Watford could do if our players play for us for a few years and then other clubs like them, there will be more attractive options through them, maybe in London or to a Newcastle, or to Manchester, Liverpool. I think there will be a ceiling that you'd hit with the level of fans that we have. David Greeno, would, would you think then, being the Sheffield Wednesday, actually if you did go up, could you become a Champions League team? Oh, my, my goodness, it would, take, it would take a while. I mean, look, you know, we were last in the Premier League in 2000. And we've been down in League One for a good five, six seasons as well. We've only just come back up to the Championship. So, you know, uh, I'm thinking, you know, if it happens, it happens in 20 years' time. You know, I'm not, I'm not kidding myself here. But I think essentially, yeah, the infrastructure's there. We have no debts now. We have, you know, still a decent ground, a 40,000 capacity ground, you know, good old school football ground. So in theory, if you apply all the points of what David's been saying, yeah, I think you probably, probably could. But... How many, how many other teams are there that are Champions League teams? You know, it, it would take a, a very, very long time and a massive shift in power. So, I think if you, if you look at Premier League history, because that's what football is all about these days, apparently, <laughs> um, Blackburn are the only side outside of a big city to have won the league, mm-hmm. won the Premier League, and they bankrolled to, to such an extent. The amount of money that Walker spent on that team in those days was huge compared to the rest of that league I think and the amount of money that a, a town sized club would need to spend these days to, to win that league would be absolutely phenomenal and, and that's because it was essentially you know his baby wasn't it and he utterly as you said bankrolled it and you know you, you would need a similar kind of scenario but also extrapolate that into today's figures if you spend like you know 50 million on a squad back then or whatever you know that would have to be what 300 million on a squad now it's so depressing listening to you lot you, or you cynics modern football you can only be you can only be successful if you're lucky enough to be based in a big city or town or have loads of money where's the dreams gone we're going to watch Watford tonight who have achieved more than pretty much every club of a comparable size I was having a discussion with someone the other day we tried to work out who the closest to Watford were in terms of size we reckon it's something like Colchester in terms of town size and all that sort of stuff Blackburn as a town aren't too dissimilar in size in size to Watford it can be done but I think the question of 
it, it can happen maybe once. You can. Uh, I don't know if you can have the same situation with Blackburn these days. You, you would need Man City-esque types of money to take a club from nowhere to make them win the league. But it can happen once, like Bradford against the League Cup final. But it's sustaining it over a number of years takes a lot more than just, just money. But still, you've got to have a dream. If you don't have a dream, <laughs> how are you going to have a dream come true? Come on. Where's the romance? <laughs> From the rookery end. We've got to catch up with uh, Manuel Almunia, the Spanish, what are they called? Goalkeeper. <laughs> no, the Spanish goalkeeper. <laughs> now, what are they called when they're the bullfighter? Matador. Matador, that's the word. Um, you quite a lot of bullfighting yourself by the sound of things. <laughs> uh, and uh, as, uh, Jason um, uh, commented about how nice he smelled, Michael. How did you find him? Um, handsome, yeah. rugged, in control. You've been growing your beard a little bit, Larissa. Is, is that after meeting uh, him? Well, I like to think it's a cross between Manuel Almunia and Marco Cassetti. Yeah. Who has the better beard? Oh, no, that should be one of our awards at the end of the season, shouldn't it? Yeah, let's beard of the season, we'll save that one. We would like to point out that we had nothing, uh, we played no part in uh, Almunia's injury. None. It wasn't our fault, honestly. No, but uh, it, would be, it has been nice to see uh, Sir Jonathan Bond uh, play for Watford uh, recently. Uh, and as we head off to Vicarage Road uh, to watch uh, Watford against Sheffield Wednesday, here is our interview we did with Manuel Almunia. You came here in the summer. Was the closeness to your previous employers uh, a big thing for you? Yeah, one, one of the main things was uh, I didn't have to move home and uh, I stay in London, which uh, is a city that uh, my wife and me love. It was one of the main reasons and also the project of the, of the manager and it came all together, so I have no regrets. Did you see like your role being different in, you know, from a club like Arsenal, where it's a bigger squad, to you being one of the older, more you know, experienced players? Was that a draw for you? No, I just joined uh, Watford. I didn't think on my age, on my, on my experience, I, I just joined Watford just to to enjoy football again and uh, try to help uh, a good team of the championship. I'm happy at the moment with the, with the, how, how I'm doing and how the team is, is going. Well, since you've been at the club, the, the team has played a very different style of football. We've seen you distribute the ball very quickly um, and usually on the floor, get it out to the defenders. That's not something we're used to here at Watford. Did, the, did, did that take a while to gel? Did the defenders get, have to take a while to get used to getting the ball so quickly and perhaps with the opposition bearing down on them? Yeah, I knew, I knew Watford before. Uh, and uh, with uh, Franco on the team, we knew the, the team had to change a bit the, the way to play. And uh, they, they brought the quality players to the team. In my opinion, some of them Premier League players. And uh, we have a style of football that uh, is good, it's nice to see. And uh, at the same time, it makes uh, people enjoy enjoying football. And uh, ourselves, we enjoy playing this football. It cost, be, it cost a bit of work at the beginning. Players have to adapt to new system, new way to play. But uh, the lads collaborate very, very well to, to, with the manager and uh, with the rest, uh, with yeah. each other. Could you see as players, although it was a tricky start, it wasn't disastrous, it wasn't a horrible start, it was tricky. But did you all have? Could you see it was sort of just a couple of games away from clicking into place? Football, it looks easy. It looks easy from outside, but uh, of the pitch, everything looks easy. And uh, but uh, you have to to train every, every day, uh, every single aspect of the of the game. And uh, this was one of the most difficult to get uh, playing along the floor, trying to play along the floor every time, moving the ball, various touch and move. And this is not easy. Look, uh, big team Barcelona. This football is is the most beautiful, but it's the hardest 
is the hardest to, to, to get. But I think at the end we got it. I'm very happy that uh, we had this style of football. At the same time, we adapt to every football. Some games are away from home, that uh, the pitch is horrible, uh, yeah, yeah. or the other, other team is, they play different, different football. We know how to adapt uh, our football, and uh, you cannot, cannot play beautiful every game. You've taken on the uh, captaincy this season. Is it harder for a goalkeeper to be a captain in a football side? No, 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 no. I, I take I take my role in the team and uh, with with the armband and uh, without the armband. So I forgot that I'm, I'm the captain on the on the on the pitch. <laughs> but of course I, I I take all the responsibility because I know the players will follow me and uh, they listen to me because of the experience. So I don't I don't know why, but uh, I notice that uh, every player is. He's aware of what I'm saying, and uh, this is this is good because uh, I try to help to every single player. And uh, but it's, it's not a biggest bigger responsibility than uh, not not being a captain. Watford fans at the moment, uh, supporters are really excited. They're really starting to see the team play well, scoring lots of goals, keeping clean sheets. Are you picking up on the sort of the, the excitement around the place, and there's more fans going to away games and so on and so forth? The support good at the moment. Yeah, we we, we noticed in the last games away from home, the people is coming, uh, more numbers of people is coming. It's beautiful to, to see our stand uh, away from home uh, nearly full, and uh, it helps a lot. It helps. It really helps a lot. But the same noise that they, they, they do away from home, I, I would like to, for them to, to do it at home as well. So sometimes more, we do, yeah, more noise at home. Yeah, we, this yeah. is the, the last spring of the season, and we need uh, everybody to go in the same way. And uh, every game at home has to be a, a final. So, and the supporters can help. You hear that and you feel that, and it helps. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's hard when we have difficulties at home, and uh, we're going through uh, difficult moments on the on the game because every game you you have difficult moments, even at home, and that's the moment where we need we need uh, the supporters to be to be with with us. We know we know they are, but. Still, we, uh, they can do more, and, and we can do more, of course. One of the things that Watford supporters are very proud of, that club has got a good tradition of bringing young players through, and we've got Jonathan Bond and Jack Bonham in your position that we've heard a little bit about. How, how are those guys coming on? Nah, they're lovely guys, hard workers, and always helping to the team, always learning because they are very young, and uh, I try to help them. So it's a good team. We have to be very proud and, uh, in this team. We had, no, we had not any single problem, any argue with... Uh, each other in training and we never had any problem we, we are very honest people very honest players and we work hard every day to, to make the people uh, at Watford happy We hear that you uh, often get the role of doing some translating uh, around the place <laughs> because of the international flavour of it how, how is the language into that that, that, yeah, that role as a captain are you having to shout orders in different languages or yeah I speak uh, both languages English and Spanish sometimes some words some words in uh, Italian but uh, no I think the, the guys they're learning English quick and uh, but they, I think they, they should they should practice more <laughs> okay of, of the pitch that's, that's the way to learn you can take many lessons but if you don't practice on the pitch and uh, off the pitch uh, you will never learn so it's, it's something that uh, I say to the foreign players. Was it easy when you, when you shout at Lloyd? Is that in English or is that in Spanish? Which is more effective with Lloyd? Lloyd uh, should take some Spanish lessons. As well. <laughs> <laughs> we have to ask, what was your reaction when you saw the pink goalie shirt? I've never had problems with the colours, but uh, I try to avoid uh, flash, flashy colours. Pink is something that... Uh, I never wear them, and I, personally I don't like. And uh, grey, 
it's working well, so why change? Do you ever, do you ever, had a, you ever done a lucky thing? With well, I have many, many, many. Many, but I don't realise that I'm doing the same things and before the games or, or during the week. It's a little things that you, you never change, but these things, everybody... Everybody does this. Little things that we, we never change before a game. Or we have the same. We do the same on the dressing room before the game, or, or the night before the game. Or every every player has something. Being a goalkeeper, obviously you're good with your hands. Are there any other any other sports where you use your hands that you're good at when you were younger, or you still carry on today? I used to play when I was really young uh, handball, but my my dad told me that I have to choose because uh, I, I couldn't do two sports anymore. So. I decided to play football. So handball in the Olympic Games, it's quite a... Yeah, I know it's not popular in England, but in Spain it's a big sport. So. Okay. And also in England, uh, a man who's good with his hands usually does his own DIY. So do you do your own DIY or do you get a man to do it for you? No, my wife, uh, my wife uh, doesn't, doesn't allow me to, to touch anything <laughs> in, the, in the house. Um, That's because you can't I, I try, I try many, many times, but I'm, I'm, better doing, uh, but I'm better doing things on the pitch than uh, at home. Hi, I'm Kechianya, and you're listening to From Lyric Korean. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. So we come back to, uh, to Vicarage Road and it's now after the, uh, the Blackpool game. Uh, the game? So, the debacle. <laughs> um, uh, we, we've seen a, a, a Watford team uh, draw away uh, with a late uh, equaliser from opposition. We've seen Watford win at home. We've seen Watford lose at home. There are nine games left to go. <laughs> There's still plenty to play for. I'm not really bothered. You're not bothered. It's just, it's just, it's just, it's just the other games. And yeah, we could have won a game, but... Good, well, it's ruined my weekend, probably my week. <laughs> OK. I mean, what's going on here? We haven't actually, Jason. Have we actually? We, we you know we are second in the league and everything, but we haven't exactly bossed this this championship. We're still. No, I'm just looking at uh, the, the big screen, the Vicarage Road. We're still second in the. We league. are still second, but it's like no one wants to go up, is it? You look at the, some of the results of the top six again today. Some awful results for some of the teams up there. Hull must be laughing at the moment, and Cardiff in particular. That's why they've got this big cushion because they've been struggling as well, yeah. and they must be uh, delighted that everyone else around them is failing to. Uh, Take advantage of their uh, of their slip ups, but yeah, we haven't dominated a, a, a team here. I don't think for a long time. Probably Huddersfield was the last time, and that was almost two months ago. We, we scraped wins against a struggling derby. Um, Sheffield Wednesday were in a relegation fight, well, uh, and, and Blackpool have, have slipped down the table dramatically this half of the season. So yeah, why why can't we dominate these teams when we are second? I don't think we should be too hasty. I mean, I said I was sort of mock uh, <laughs> angry about the situation. That was a, I think that was a poor. A poor performance against Blackpool um, and, and very disappointing. But it's interesting, you know, after Sheffield Wednesday and after Derby, we we didn't say we scraped them. Then we said we we ground out victories, and that's the sign of that's the sign of a team going places. So yeah, true. let's let's not lose let's not lose yeah, sight I don't, of that I don't as think well. We, I, but, don't, I don't think we've but, ever been a team this year where we've actually dominated an entire ninety minutes. Well, we, you know, we've had we've had, we've had a lot of comfortable wins when people have sort of perhaps thrown in the towel. You know, most recently yes. the away the away wins against Birmingham, mm. and everyone's everyone smashing Birmingham. Uh, we caught Knox Forest at the right time, obviously, because they they haven't lost since. Um, so, you know, we've got to keep an eye on. Um, it's very very difficult because expectation has been has been raised really quickly, and people are looking at going up. That there's not there's not you know, there's no no bones about it. People are expecting this to see this team to get promoted now, and to go from also rans to to real contenders is is quite difficult to. to to cope with as a supporter, and it's obviously very difficult for for the players as well, because like you both have said, we haven't 
it's not like we've swept everyone aside in this division. I think we've crept up into the into second spot on the back of other people's results. You know, no one can be quite consistent enough to make second their own, and we've joined that band now as well of uh, of uh, of throwing a throwing a really good uh, a good opportunity to to get ensconced in second and put some pressure on, and and we haven't managed to do it. Big, the big thing today for me was how much Zola shuffled the pack. Some big people out today. I mean, we can only assume uh, Chalabar's injured. Chalabar's injured. injured and he picked up his injury just before the game as right, well. And two big influential but players. I, but, in but, but looking at that first half, that was a great performance. And I was actually more surprised how quickly in this game that we sort of got into our stride, which we didn't do against Sheffield Wednesday necessarily quickly. And we haven't done, didn't do against... Wolves as quickly as we did today. I, th- I think possibly the Palace game might have shown a few that we're not far from invincible, you know, because we started that game on fire, but um, but Crystal Palace came back very, very strongly and showed we would, could be quite vulnerable. You know, this is, this is a side that has achieved immense things already this season and has given us an awful lot of pleasure. The problem is, when you're at the top, you need to keep winning, you need to pick it, keep picking up points and that means it's not necessarily very enjoyable watching as a supporter because against Sheffield Wednesday we got a win, against Derby we got a win but I felt I was being suffocated for the entire night of <laughs> both games because we were so desperate to get the win and yeah. just by any means at this stage you just want any, you know, you wouldn't have cared if it had gone in off Nara and Nosworthy's, you know, left gonad, you know, it doesn't matter about that style of play at this stage, you just want the win. Jason, what have you learnt? What have you learnt from the last few games? Um... I don't, I don't know if I've learned anything. I think mean, talks about the, the sort of unpredictably um, unpredictable nature of this league at the moment, um, and I don't think there's anything that we can expect to be. I don't know. Consistent's not the word, but consistently inconsistent. It's, it's just bizarre, isn't it? We we know. <laughs> like we say we, we've ground out these results. We've not been dominating, um, but at times during those games we played some nice football. The first half here today was good. Um, Let's take Jonathan Hogg as an example. On Tuesday, he had a poor game, got taken off at half-time. Yeah. First half of this game, I thought he was he was excellent, yeah, much, much better. Um, second half, he seemed to slip back again into uh, into his ways of Tuesday. There's just no consistency, um, and it's just yeah, it's hard to actually as a fan identify things out there that are consistent. Things that I've learned over, <laughs> over the yeah. last few games. I tell you weird. what, I've learned. And it's, and it's very come very clear. You cannot miss the amount of guilt edge chances that we've missed. <laughs> okay. It's not even funny anymore. I mean, um, Derby, Wolves, uh, Sheffield Wednesday, and then again today. I mean, I'm not going to have a go at um, uh, Matthew Briggs for for not scoring. He's a he's a defender, and it's his first first uh, probably his first game for for quite a long time. But we, I reckon, that's six or seven mm. chances that earlier in the season would have got us four or five goals. Mm. Um, and you can't do that, you know. Especially at this end of the, at this stage of the season, where games are tight and close and bitty, and everyone's fighting for everything, you've got to, those chances have got to fall. They've got to go in. Um, looking on the plus side, we're creating chances, um, and eventually, you'd hope that that would turn around and we'd start hitting the net again. But I think there's been some stats around Watford for a little while now. And I think the, over the last two seasons with Malky and, and Dyche as well, that our conversion. Uh, our chance conversion rate was very, very high. Yeah, oh, yeah. which we could we could argue was a positive because like, we're finishing everything. Mm. But I think it was Graham Taylor who said, you know, you can't carry that on because eventually you're going to miss one. Mm. And then if you miss one, you know, where where the, you know, we're seeing it now. We're we're scratching around for goals. And let's be honest, there was the black the Blackpool game. We didn't look like scoring in the entire second half, did we? No, no, no not at any stage at all. 
So very, very difficult. Expectation levels are raised. Um, so when it does go against you, it makes it even more unenjoyable, I think. You know, if we were a if Blackpool had lost today, they'd have, you know, fair enough, they'd have gone home. Oh, bugger, I wish we'd won. Um, and, you know, at this stage last season, we were probably safe. And, and if we'd lost, we'd like... Mm. So this is... Uh, so we're going to do some more podcasts uh, the rest of the season. Hopefully they're going to be positive podcasts. Uh, we're back after the uh, Burnley game. We're going to actually hop on down to the At Your Place um, event that the club are going to put on in uh, Croxy Green uh, to see what goes on down there. But we're back after the Burnley game and we're going to be joined by a very special man at the Burnley game. Curtis is on his way over on, from Curtis. Denver. We need you, big fella. We do. The man has seen Watford play many times, never seen them lose, and he's never seen the same manager twice. And that run continues. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Let's hope he's not the kiss of death for Gianfranco. Um, thank you for listening. Keep in touch. Slightly short podcast as they're going to be, but I uh, hope you can enjoy them and I hope they will be enjoyable in the run-up to the end of this season. Chin up. Come on. Keep the faith. We've come this far. Let's see him over the line. Oh, yeah. We're going to finish on a positive, though. Yeah. We're going to finish on the fact that Lloyd Doyley in his 11th year as a professional footballer has been called up to oh, the Jamaican squad incredible scenes incredible scenes international man of mystery I don't think there's much mystery about it he's just well, the reason legend. how has that man ever kept the career most people say we know why I know what the mystery is <laughs> how come he hasn't been called up sooner <laughs> come on reggae boys he's, he's, he's the man for you but we've got quite good representation in that side haven't we yeah, uh, yeah. boys uh, old and new yeah. we have uh, well as well as Doyley we have uh, Nyron Noseworthy is going to be there and then there's a few old boys there Adrian Mariapa. Joby McEnough and Theo Robinson are all in the squad. Uh, a Jamaican team formed so what in Hartshire. Probably, probably Watford will be Jamaica reserves now, presumably. <laughs> <laughs> and if, if Paul Ince is listening, <laughs> you don't need to be angry all the time, mate. It's all right. <laughs> just, just relax. Get, take your boy to one side, have a cup of cocoa, chill out, enjoy life. Yeah, it must, be, must be quite stressful when you're heading towards a relegation fight. So. There we go. <laughs> Come on, you're on. Yeah, come on, Watford. We can do it. Come we can still do it. Come on, Watford.